0: Welcome to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I don't know about you, but when life doesn't go as I planned it, I get a little upset. I like things to go in a certain order, in a certain way, and I like things to happen as they're supposed to happen, exactly as I planned. And when they don't, I don't always like that very much. And sometimes... When things don't happen, either I get angry, anybody else out there, when things don't go as you planned. I get stressed, anybody else? I get worried. Those are my, my main things that happen to me. And, and a lot of times when things don't go happen, like say I'm, I'm waiting for a friend to come. Anybody else ever think the worst has happened? They're late. Did they get in a car accident? They died. I know they died. Or I don't know what like for me, like for, in my seat, whenever somebody says, Jeremiah, I, I need to meet with you." I'm like, oh gosh, are they leaving the church? Did I preach heresy? Like what? Like my mind immediately doesn't go, they just want to hang out and have lunch and be nice to me. It's imme- my brain immediately goes to the worst. When someone's sick, when you're sick, you're like, oh, is it terminal? Anybody else? overthink, overreact, and when life doesn't go as we planned it, we think, it's all gonna fall apart now. Our minds are crazy. I don't know why you do that, but that's what my mind does. And when things don't go as I want them to, it seems like sometimes life can unravel. But when life doesn't go as you planned it, can you still make God your number one focus because God has a plan for your life it's not always a straight line but God's plan always leads to victory Lord thank you so much for today Lord our lives it seems like at times they do just sort of go everywhere and we have a plan but God your plan is better so, God, when things don't go as we like or as we desire, may we um, be thankful, and may our focus be on you. God, I, I just pray that you would bless churches throughout our valley today. God, I, I think of my friends preaching. I think of, of Jason over at Heritage, and Lord, I think of Aaron over at Jesus Church, and Andrew over at Cross Church, and... Brian at Valley Life, and God, I ask that your blessings upon us here at City View. Lord, I pray that as churches, that our heart would never just be inward, but Lord, may we desire to see lives change everywhere we go. In your name, amen. Well, hey, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good. Are you guys awake? Okay. Good. Uh, I got to get away last week, um, a couple days, I was with my family for two of them, Saturday, Sunday, and then all last week, Tony, Josh, and I, we did sermon and calendar prep for 2024. Next year is going to be so much fun, and then we're going to meet with the team, my other staff um, in a couple weeks, and put everything else up on the calendar. So we're really excited, we're going to be studying the book of Revelation next year, studying the books of Philippians, Malachi, we got some fun series, it's it's election year, so I've got some fun ideas for that. Um, It's just, it's, it's going to be a good year. 2024. It's going to be a year for sure. Good because Jesus is on the throne. How it all turns out in other ways, who really knows because it's 2024 and we get new people running the country maybe. Uh, We'll see how all that works out. But hey, a couple things. Um, I don't know how your 30-day challenge is gone. I know I've haven't. I've forgotten to remind you. Here's my current status. So I, I, I worked on my diet. My friend Ryan and I have been doing this thing called 75 hard. Um, I've lost almost 10 pounds. Um, I read all the time, so that was like the heart. Like when it's the 75 hard, I'm like, I can't. I always read every single day. I'm like always reading either leadership books, something. So read books, um, been hiking, walking, um, drinking. Ton- I already drink a ton of water, but just to make sure you drink a gallon a day, I, I probably ask anybody who works in my office, they say I drink more water than anybody. And one thing I've added to my life is um, in the mornings when I sit in my chair before I have my devotions, I, have, I set a five-minute alarm. And so for five minutes, I close my eyes and I sit in complete silence. Our world is so full of busy. And for me, that was one of the things I started in this, my 30-day challenge, is a, a complete five-minute pause for my soul. Because my soul is busy. I also, like, you probably see me post on social media, I delete it. So I have it on, I delete it when I want to post something, because it's just like, it, that's a distraction for my brain. So I don't know how yours, some of you are like, I feel guilty, I fell off the track after one week. It's okay, don't, no guilt. But just get back on. Figure out, okay, what's something I can work on in my own life to help me just get more on track with where I want to be, with what God wants to do in me, and do it. And then just, and if you fall off the track, get back on. Like there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of life, it's just a struggle. Um, And we just got to do that. So, next thing is date night. If you are a couple, as Mariah said, sign up. It's going to be encouraging. You want to know why my wife and I, our marriage, like, we have a solid marriage. I I will brag about my marriage. My marriage is good. We love each other. Um, Divorce is nowhere in our future. Um, One of the reasons why is because we date each other. We date. We we love to hang out and we go purposeful. And sometimes somebody like we don't have money. You want to know what some of our dates were? Most of the money went to the babysitter. Well, we went and got tacos because our money was tight. Some of our dates were like we put the kids to bed. When you have young kids and, like, you can put them to bed at, like, 7 o'clock at night. My kids, I don't know when they go to bed sometimes. Um, So it's hard to find refuge in our own home because they're always up. But when they were younger, we could put them to bed, and our date nights were just going, watching a TV show, eating some ice cream, and just connecting but I just want to encourage you, if you're a dating or married couple, come to this. It'll be, I guarantee you, one encouragement for you, refreshing, the food will be great, and you will leave with a stronger relationship. So come. I think if you scan that barcode, I think we have a link straight to it. If you don't, it's on our Cityview app and website. But go to that. And if you are, I, we added today, if you need childcare, if you have kids the ages of like five and younger, we will provide child care for you. Just make sure when you sign up, if there's a note down below to say you need child care and let us know. But we will have child care for you. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That's where we're at. 2 Corinthians 2. Um, so we are continuing our study in this book. Jared, thank you so much for preaching last week. I appreciate you. And Jared, last week, he he talked about just some of the, the troubles and the constant attacks that are on the church and within the church body and within each other of this fighting within our own relationships. And when we allow those things, it can cause division, it can cause heartache, it can cause all these things. And so Paul, 2 Corinthians, is a response letter to some troubles that happened in this church. And Paul had a plan. He had this plan that he was going to write this letter. He wrote a letter, which we don't have this letter. It's, there's 1 Corinthians, we have that letter. And then there was another letter that Paul wrote that we don't have. It's called like the severe letter, the harsh letter. It's not a nice letter. It was like a, hey, get your act together kind of letter. We don't have that letter, but Paul references it here. And so Paul wrote this letter in hopes that when he comes to Corinth, again, that they have sort of taken care of the problem. And so Paul sends his friend Titus to go and deliver that letter. So Titus goes. He delivers this letter to Corinth. And Paul has this plan of Titus and I are going to meet up in this town called Troas. And so Titus is supposed to meet Paul there. So Paul's on his way. He goes to Troas to hear the report, how they received the letter. And Titus is not there. And Paul being a planner thought for sure they killed him for the letter they thought that he thought the worst he thought titus must be dead anybody else overreact like that and so paul goes to to troas he's there he's waiting for titus titus doesn't show up but what paul doesn't realize is that god had a different plan Paul might have thought, I'm, I'm wasting my time here in Troas. My letter was too harsh. God didn't use it. The church heard me wrong. So many things can go into our minds when we try to do what God has called us to, and we wait to see how somebody responds to it. So Paul writes, verse 12 of chapter 2. Now, when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened for me in the Lord. He says, when I came to Troas. You see, we have a plan, but God always has a better plan. God's plan always leads to victory. Always leads to victory. And his plans are not always a straight line. We wish they were, but they're not. And so Paul leaves. He goes to Troas. And all of a sudden, when he gets there, he's going to tell us in the next verse that Titus, but, but he tells us in verse 13 that Titus wasn't there. I had, I had no rest in my soul because I didn't find Titus. But he says this. He says, now I came to Troas for the gospel of God. And when a door was opened to me, here, here's what happens when you are walking with the Lord, God always opens doors. God is always opening doors. Paul went looking for Titus, but found an open door for the gospel instead. Everywhere we go, God is opening doors for people to find hope and receive salvation. Everywhere we go. He wants to use us to share. I think many times we don't see it because we are either so focused on what didn't happen that we missed what's happening around us or we never looked in the first place. And I think we miss the open doors that God has in our relationships with people at work and our relationships at home and our relationships with our neighbors And in those times. We're not looking going, okay, God, how might you use me in this conversation today to tell somebody about Jesus? Where's the open door? We just walk going, it's just another day. But in every day, God is going, I've got open doors for you to share about me. And I wonder how many times we walk through that open door and the conversation is right there and we don't even engage. And so Paul, he's on his way. He wants to go visit Titus. His his whole focus, he's so overwhelmed with this letter that he wrote that is going to be hurtful. It's 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 pointing out some huge sin in the church. And Paul is so focused on making sure that they hear it. But when he gets there, what does he find? He finds an open door for the gospel. You see, God is always looking to the world and opening doors for opportunity. It's all throughout Scripture. Acts chapter 14, 27, um, Luke writes this, and he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. First Corinthians 16, for a wide open door for effective service has opened to me. We think just because a door is open that it means it's gonna be easy. Do you see the next part of that verse? to me and there were many adversaries just because the door is open doesn't mean it's going to be easy to walk through paul had an open door and in the middle of his open door he had to deal with depression and anxiety and worry it didn't mean it was an easy open door it was a heavy open door It was a hard open door. It was a struggle. He was going to have to bear things that he didn't even think. He was on his way to hear a report, and there was an open door for the gospel. Colossians 4, 3 says, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word. God is opening doors. Paul is on his way to hear this report, and God says, but I've got a door for my gospel. You know, you may have your plans. And on your way, your car breaks down and you've got to call AAA. That could be an open door for that truck driver. You're on your way to go have dinner with your, your, your friends, your spouse, and and have you ever, like, this is something I, I try to do as often as I can. Have you ever asked your server, hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? We pray for our dinner. You're like, that would be weird. We are weird. Christians are weird. Whether you like it or not, what we, we believe in a God that you cannot see. We believe in a Jesus who died for us, yet we still don't see him. We sing songs out loud to the same God that we don't see. We have faith in that. We have faith in a Jesus. We pray out loud. Some of you, you call the person that's walking. I, I, I can't remember if I saw the comedian say this and... You you see somebody walking down the street, and we say, look at them. They're talking to themselves, and you're talking to themselves or you're talking about them. Christians, we're weird. You're like, that would be super weird. But what if it's not? What if it's an open door? You're a parent. You're a mom. You're at the park, and you see another mom at the park. What if that's an open door saying, hey, how's parenting? Oh, man, it's tough. Yes, it's is open doors you can either choose to walk through them or walk away from them paul walked right through did it was it easy no it wasn't look at the next verse he said i had no rest for my spirit not finding titus my brother but taking my leave from of them i went on to macedonia so paul he he couldn't get over his worry of titus and there are those times in our life where worry and, and these things, they overwhelm us. So Paul, he's, he's faithful in Troas. He's faithful to plant a church there in that city. And he starts this church. He's sharing the gospel there. He's doing the work that God's called him to. But his heart is still thinking about Titus. And so he's like, I've got to go. I've got to go find Titus. He is depressed. He's anxious. And he finds no rest. 2 Corinthians is one of Paul's most open, look-the-heart-of-a-pastor kind of book. He's talking about his worry, his anxiety, his depression, the people that don't like him, the people that are talking bad about him, the people that don't want to support him, the people that don't, don't want to pray for him, the people that don't believe what he's saying. He's, he's talking about, like, in this book, he's going to talk about the people that think he's not a good pastor, he's not a good preacher. This is Paul's, like, most, like, real, raw letter and in this letter, he this is the, in this section of this letter, he's like, my spirit found no rest. Now, he does tell us in chapter 7 that he does meet up with Titus. He finds Titus. So for those of you who are worried, Titus isn't dead. Um, but we'll find that later. But what he does tell us here is that he didn't lose hope. He didn't lose hope. What keeps him, but but what is it that keeps him from losing hope? What is it that kept him focused? And what can keep us from losing hope? And what can keep us on track when things don't go as planned? Because life rarely goes as we plan it, but it always goes as God plans it. God's plans for our life are not a straight line, but they always end in victory. So what does Paul know? What did did Paul know that got him here? You see, in God's plans, God never fails his people. He never fails his people. 2 Corinthians 2.14. So he says, I found no rest. I'm looking for Titus. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm overwhelmed. And he says, but thanks be to God. That's where this comes in. So many times what happens when we hear this is we hear all the verses before, and then this is like a new section. But where this verse comes from is a place of so much overwhelming pressure from the world. And you see now, Paul, he turns his eyes up. He says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Paul's eyes went from looking down and not being so being so worried about Titus to looking up and praising God He was reminded of God's faithfulness. And I don't know what got him to this point. I don't know if it was like this moment, but we all have those moments, don't you? I mean, how many of you have had that where you're sort of, you're stuck, you're you're worried, you're restless. But when you turn to the Lord, when you go to his word, and many of us, we don't hear from the Lord because we don't ask him. We don't hear from him because we don't go to him. We don't hear from him because we don't have a relationship with him. Paul had a relationship with the Lord. So even though he was depressed, even though he was worried, even though he did not find rest in his life, he had this moment. But in that moment, his eyes turned back to the Lord and he says, but praise be to God or thanks be to God who always leads. And I wonder if if Psalm 30 verses 11 through 12 were one of those things that turned his mind says in verse 11 and 12 of Psalm 30, it says, You have turned my mourning into dancing. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy, that I may sing praises to you and not be silent. O oh Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. There's a song that we used to sing when I was young. It says, You turn my mourning into dancing again. In the sorrows, I can't stay quiet, silent. You and then the bass player will go I don't know how to play bass. I don't know if this is how you play bass. Josh, nope. Okay. Sorry. You do something, and then these fingers move here. Or maybe it's this one. I don't know. I just remember that song. And but for me when I heard that, there's something that happened, like you sing that song. I don't know you... it's from like the 90s. Some of you weren't even born then. Um, but I just, whenever that song came on, there was something that reminded me of the joy of the Lord. So I don't know if, if for Paul, maybe there's like this song that God popped in his mind, a psalm that God said, hey, I turn your morning. I know you're worried about Titus, but I lead in triumph. I, I always lead you in victory. I never fail you. Paul focuses eyes on God who always leads in triumph. You see, whenever Paul uses a word, he's not just using it and saying it just as some general term, but he's got a bigger picture in mind. So when Paul says, God is leading you in triumph, he's speaking to all of us. He has a a mental picture of what that triumph looks like. Because in that culture, the modern day culture, the Roman people who are hearing this letter being read to them, they knew what a triumph was. Or at least they had heard stories of what a triumphal entry was. They knew that it wasn't just like when a, your basketball team wins and they go and you, you see them, and they go on the float and they're drinking beer and they're just partying and drunk. That's like, that's not it. To them, a triumph meant something very specific it wasn't just a victory, because lots of people had victories. It was a total triumph. And for a person, for a general and they, this triumphal entry that Paul is referring to, is, is re, there's very specific things that have to be done for a general or a commander to have this triumphal entry. The first thing, the victory had to be won on foreign soil. It could not be run that one down the street. had to be won on foreign soil. The second thing is that it had to be a complete victory, not yeah we got most of the most of the land, most of the bad guys are gone. No, it had to be a complete victory. At least five thousand of the enemy had to be killed. At least five thousand. Is it all behind me? No, it's not. The new territory. Had New territory had to be gained. Couldn't be old, couldn't be refreshed. New territory had to be gained. But Paul says this, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. So Paul says Christ had a triumph just like this. But when did Christ ever come and fight? When did Christ ever come and kill over 5,000 people? When did Christ ever come and just totally annihilate and all this? When did Christ do that? see, Jesus' victory was different, but it was the same powerful triumphal entry. You see, in Jesus' victory, he left heaven and came to earth. He came to a new land. In Jesus' victory, he didn't kill 5,000. He led thousands, millions, and billions save them, came for them. You see, in Jesus' victory, he completely defeated the enemy, the devil, took away his power through his death and resurrection on the cross. You see, in Jesus' victory, Jesus claimed, came and he, he claimed the spoils of battle, the lost souls who were in bondage to sin and Satan. Jesus' victory, Jesus' total triumph was that. It was you, it was me. It was this land that we may look going, but Jesus, where's your victory? And oh, Jesus says, it's it's here. You see, Jesus, the triumphal leader, in this triumphal entry, as Jesus is leading, if you continue to read that verse, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Jesus leads us. And so how this triumphal entry would work as you would have like instruments and you'd have all these the the, the enemy and all them would be sort of being led and behind the king, the emperor, the one not the emperor, the commander, the general, would be his kids. His kids would walk in the victory with their dad. And my kids, I know they're pastors' kids, and sometimes because they they're like, well, my dad's the pastor, so I can do this, which they've said in class before. <sighs> but you know that proud of a that pride of a kid when they walk behind their dad like that's my dad? Different places, different times a kid will walk in that. So as these kids are falling behind their dad, the general, they're looking, going, my dad won this fight. And Paul says, thanks be to God who always leads us, meaning you are his kids in triumph. I know it doesn't feel like we're winning at times. I know it feels like you're losing in life sometimes. I know it feels like life is overwhelming But Paul says, I know I felt that way. You read verses 12 and 13. I felt that way. I felt like I was losing. I felt like I'd lost my friend. I felt like I was overwhelmed with life. I felt like life was caving in around me. But thanks be to God, I turned my eyes. But thanks be to God, because he leads me in triumph. Why does he lead me? Not because I am the enemy, but because I am his child. Thanks be to God who always leads. You see, we follow Jesus in his victory. This victory we walk in every day. Romans eight thirty-seven says, But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquerors, not through your own strength, but through Jesus who loves us. First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Christ our victory is in Christ and it's through Christ. It's never in ourselves. We, we needed the rescuing. We needed the help. We are the ones going, God, I can't do this life on my own. And Jesus adopts us and makes us his child and we can walk in his victory. In that victory though, Paul says that we carry a, a, a fragrance. We carry a sweet aroma of God's grace. It's this message. It's this the smell of this message. And Here's the next thing in God's plan. God has given us, given you a message. You know, he he opens the door for you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to fail you. So as you walk through that door, you may feel like, okay, God, but life's not going as it's planned. But I haven't left you. Now go. I've given you a message. And so Paul has, as he's sharing this, Paul's like, we have this message. So let's continue verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. you have a smell. Some of you literally work on that. I used to do junior high ministry Um, for like eight years. I did it. And uh, one of the things we would have to remind the junior high boys is, hey, there's this stuff that God invented through a man or a woman. I don't know who invented deodorant, probably a woman. Um, She probably smelled some dude's like, you stink. Um, And I would have to say, hey, so we all carry a smell. But this is not talking about necessarily a physical smell; it's a spiritual smell. And Paul says, "If that smell is a knowledge of Jesus in every place you go, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, to the one, it's an aroma from death to death; to the other, an aroma from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? This message that we have—you all have a message." It's whether we choose to share it or not is the thing. Many of us, we don't choose to share the message of hope. We hold it to ourselves. Maybe it's because we don't feel adequate enough. Paul didn't either. Maybe it's because we don't know how. It's okay. We can hope with that. Maybe it's because you feel like you wouldn't have good enough words. Paul was not the most eloquent. But we can come up with so many excuses on why we don't. But whether you like it or not, God has given you a message of hope for the world. And it's about Jesus. It's fragrant. It's life-changing. And it's for everyone in every place you go. Our message is for people. But to God, it's worship. That message you have, it's a fragrant aroma to the Lord. God loves the message of hope to the world. He loves when you share it with the guys at the gym. He loves when you share it with those moms at the park. He loves when you share it with your coworkers. He loves when you share it with, with those that you go to school with. He loves when you share it with those that, that you are welcoming in your home. He loves when you share it. It's a sweet aroma to him. But to the hearer, it has two effects. To those who will be saved, to those who will come to know, or to those who already know Jesus, it's a sweet aroma. It's a fragrant aroma. It's something that, it's pleasing but to those who want nothing to, know, nothing to do with Jesus, it's death. I remember when, when I went to Thailand the first time, when you get off the plane, if, if you're being greeted by people that like you, uh, if you're not just going on vacation, but greeted by, like, say, Ron Miller, his, the orphanage, the kids, I don't know if they did this for you, but they put uh, lays or I don't know what they're called in Thailand, something like a thing of flowers, but they use jasmine flowers. They do that for you. Every time, I'm talking to Mark right now, and you guys can all be a part of this conversation. Um, Every time you smell jasmine, does it take your mind back? Every time I smell jasmine flowers. And as I was writing the sermon, I was thinking, man, that's what the message of hope should do to people. When you're at church, it should take you back to, man, I remember when Jesus saved me. When you, when you hear worship songs, I know some people, it's like, when I hear those songs, there's something about hope that happens. It's a fragrant aroma of Christ. That's what it is. To some people, though, it's a fragrant of death. They want nothing to do with it. And here's how that works. In, in this big triumphal entry, is, as the general is leading all these people, there would be incense and flowers everywhere, okay? So there's this fragrant aroma. Now, to those who are walking in victory, they love it. It's a party. It's wonderful, it's beautiful. But to those who are also being led, who are the enemy, who are walking with the general as well, they know they're being led to death or prison. So to them, that same smell that you smell is glorious is a smell of death. You see, some people, no matter what, they want nothing to do with it. Does it mean we stop sharing? No, you don't ever stop sharing because you never know when the, when the smell will turn. And so Paul says this, we have this fragrant aroma, so everyone walking around us, they're smelling it. As you share the gospel, there will be some who receive it with joy and others who will despise it. Your role is just to share it. You don't pick and choose going, okay, I think you'll like how it smells, but I don't think you will. No, you don't pick that. You don't go, well, they always complain about it. Well, then be tactful. Know when it's a good time to share again. Pray for that opportunity. Because you never know when it might be that person's day. You want to know some key, some key insights into how do you know when to share again? You ask somebody, or they ask you, how was your weekend? And you could either say, oh, it was good. What'd you do this weekend? How many of you say, eh, nothing? Whoever does that? Who, who does that? Or you say, eh, I just worked around the house. How many of you do that? How many of you have ever said, I went to church? And all of a sudden they go, you go to church? We typically don't say that because we think they're weird. But what if that could be an open door? Because they, are, they, they apparently want to tell you what you did. We could focus on the not spiritual. I went to the Cubs game or the D-backs game. It's the Diamondbacks. they won <laughs> two of the three. Come on, D-backs. Be our hope for Arizona. <laughs> but you could say, I went to church. If you go to a belong group, I, you know, I have a belong group. I, I go to this group, we hang out. What's a belong group? Oh, all of a sudden, they're like, a belong group? Because if you say, I go to a belong group, how many people do you think would say, what in the world is a belong group? They might think you're really weird at that point, but then you, when you tell them what it is, they're like, so what, why do you go? Man, community, I, have you ever just felt like overwhelmed with life? All of a sudden, it opens this door. Paul says, our message is to be shared so that people might have hope. And that might be an open door for you. Here's the thing. The reality is God says this about his word in in Isaiah chapter 55, 11. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to. God's word never comes back void. Never. Our role, what God has asked us to do is just share it when the opportunity is there. Just share it. Paul says, take that aroma, that knowledge of Jesus, every place you go, and share it with God's people. You think, well, that's for Paul. Paul could do that. Paul was a Paul was an apostle. Paul Paul's good at that kind of... How many of you ever feel inadequate to do that? Anybody ever? Like, who am I? I, I couldn't do that. Anybody ever feel that way? Yeah. Paul openly says, I'm inadequate. He says... And who is adequate for these things? He said, who who has enough? Who's able to do this? I know I'm saying, go and take the fragrant aroma. Paul's saying, he says, go and take the fragrant aroma to the world. He says, but who who can do it? Who, Who has enough knowledge? Who has enough wisdom? Who has enough understanding of God's word? Who can do it? He says, but who is inadequate to do these things? He says, for we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, but as from God, We speak in Christ in the sight of God. I love how the the NIV reads this passage. It says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity as those sent from God. So God opens doors. And sometimes as we walk through those doors, it's still going to be difficult. But we can know this that as God opens those doors he's not going to leave us he's not going to fail us and as you walk through those doors he's giving you a message to share and i don't know that, that i don't know how the message is going to come out but he's giving you a message and your message is hope your message is jesus and you may not feel adequate because you're not adequate in yourselves the only way you're adequate is through the power of God it's the only way you're adequate to share and that's what Paul says here. He says, I can't do it on my own. So what makes us sufficient? What makes us qualified to do this task? Well, the power of God. And how does that work? First, so who is adequate? Those who put their faith in Jesus. That makes you adequate. So who's adequate? Adequate. It's those who don't use God's word as some way to just peddle and and get your own way or do what you want or manipulate. Paul says we don't peddle, we don't corrupt God's word, we don't contaminate, we share it exactly as, as it is. And sometimes it means saying things that people may not agree with. A peddler of God's word makes it tasteful for everyone. How many of you... I'll bet it's very few. How many of you have ever had to speak truth into somebody's life, and they didn't want to hear it? How many of you have ever known you need to speak truth, but it, you felt it was too harsh, so you didn't say it? Paul says, "We're not peddler of God's word. You don't have to taint it. You don't have to tame it down." God's word is it's good for the soul. Some people won't like it. That's not up to you whether they like it or not. Now, don't be a jerk. Be tactful. Do it in love. But Paul says we're not peddlers. So who is adequate? It's the one who speaks in Christ. When you allow God's word to speak through you. So who is adequate? it's those who live before God you're you're seeking his presence you're spending time with him this is what Paul says this is what an adequate person looks like it's somebody who spends time with the Lord spends time in his word so who is adequate? it's those who are sincere with their motives you're not doing it just to point out somebody's fault you're doing it because you love them how many of you have ever had maybe you've done this, I know I've done it you want to point out somebody's faults? it's not because you love them you just want to point out their fault you just want to prove yourself right anybody ever did that? Christians we have we Christians we can do that. I know a, a dude who he there's the story I heard about this person who wanted to date this other person. Um and instead of being loving the father of this person who there's two people wanted to date this young man wanted to date this girl. The father of this girl told this boy, you're not good enough for my daughter because he wasn't Christian enough. And my first thought is, how will he ever want to love the Lord? Because he doesn't even know Jesus. If that's what Jesus, you show him. Now, is it, I don't have a daughter, but is that a truth? Do you want... But what if the very way of sharing Jesus with them is say, you know what, you, I, I don't want you dating my daughter, but you can come over to our house anytime you want. We can watch football and hell. What if that was it? And all of a sudden that kid's like, man, your dad's pretty cool, even though I'm not allowed to date you yet. And if the dad's like, hey, you still can't date her, but I love having you around. But instead I told a, a friend of his, I said, hey, text that kid and let him know he can come over to my house anytime he wants. Because God needs that kid. God loves that kid. God doesn't want that kid to go to hell. And I just thought, man, sometimes that's what we can, be. we can be. We can be so focused, but sincere. We need to be sincere with our motives. So how do we become adequate? When we are from God. Not just living before God, but when we go out from God. Paul, even though he was in a rough patch in his life, Paul was overwhelmed, depressed, struggling. He felt anxious. He felt worried. He just was was overwhelmed with everything. That's the state where we find this passage. He had written this letter to the church that Jared talked about. These, These Christians were doing some things. He had written this harsh letter. He's overwhelmed with how they received it. He's he's anxious that his friend's not there. And in that moment of anxiety, in that moment, moment of worry and stress, in that moment, he says, but praise be to God who leads me in triumph because I can't do it on my own. He says, I couldn't find rest, and I felt inadequate, but God met him right there. God met him with an open door. God reminded him that he never fails him. God told him, I've given you a message. And God says, it's not by your power. It's by my power that you are going to do it. And God's message is the same for you today. God is opening doors for you. God will never fail you. He's given you a message to share it. He's given you a message to take to your friends, your family, your neighbors, your school, your community. He's given you a message, and he will give you the power to share it. God is still doing the same today. God has a plan for you. It's not always a straight line, but God's plan always leads to victory. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes this life in this world, it gets overwhelming. The situations we can be in, we just it's hard to see where you're at and what you're doing. God, we overthink, we overcomplicate, God, we easily get distracted. God, we can be like Paul where we can say, God, I can't find any rest. Lord, may our eyes be turned to you in victory. Jesus, may we realize that we have victory not because we were good enough, but because you are good enough. Not because we fought hard enough, but because you fought and you won. Jesus, we have victory not because you you just died, but because you rose again from the dead. Jesus, may we walk in your victory every day. Remind us of the hope. And Jesus, I pray that that message that you've given us, I know it can be intimidating, Lord, but give us the power to share it. Jesus, because you are good, you are loving. So, Lord, for those of us in here today where we feel like we have no rest, God, I, I ask that you'd give us rest today. Jesus, I pray that our eyes would be turned to you. And as Paul wrote, but thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph. May that be our rally cry today. Yes, we might be, In the middle of a mess Yes we might be in the middle of restless worry and anxiety Yes we might be in the middle of adversity Like some open doors that we walk through We might be in the middle of that But Lord may we realize that in you Is victory In you Is triumph And in you you see us as overcomers Because you died for us And you give us life In Jesus name Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to click that follow button and tune in next week for another great message.